Here we go, everybody. We're back with a me reading stuff on Thursday, January 21st. The time of day is 4.33. Um, I've had a rough couple of days health-wise. I all of a sudden got a high fever yesterday. I don't know where that came from because I didn't even feel that bad. And then even though the fever's gone down, I am not feeling well at all. So we'll see. I don't think I have uh, COVID. I think that I have a sinus infection starting up. Um, so I don't know what's going on, but I do know that all day yesterday I slept. And it was really sad because I had a really full, exciting day planned and I just had to stop everything. Um, and today I had to teach a workshop, so I couldn't really uh, sleep all day, but I wanted to. And now I'm behind on everything from the last couple of days. So I'm running on empty. Damien is convinced that I've just run myself ragged, as they say, that I'm just running myself to the ground because I cannot stop doing stuff. And um, I am taking on a lot and I'm just, I don't know. I feel like that's all I want to do. I, I think it's better for my mental health to just have tons going on. But then again, all I want is to take a break. So I don't know. I mean, and then I'm working on these ceramics and I am so excited about those. And my plan was to have them all available by February 1st. But they take a really long time to make even one of these ceramic platters or vases and um you know because they're hand painted and they they take several layers and I'm still figuring it out and so anyway if I were to do that I'd have about like 15 more ceramics to paint on by Saturday and then take them in and have them fired and then get them back and packed up and photographed and I just think maybe the one thing I'm going to give myself is a break on that it's not like anybody's going to die if these ceramics aren't posted by February 1st. Like I said, this is the thing about being, um, what is it? I, I expect way too much of myself all the time. Like if I just, if, you know, I mean, it reminds me of being a kid in school. If I got a B plus or an A minus, I really thought I wanted to die. I mean, it was, it was like I couldn't even handle life. And I'm that way now with everything as well, except you don't get graded. There's other ways to assess if you're doing, you know, an incredible job. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I'm just not, I just, I, I've got a lot of things to work on here and I'm very tired and my throat is killing me. I feel like I have knives in the back of my throat, but I'm here anyway. I have been reading a lot lately, which is nice. I've been trying to give myself a lot of time at the end of the night, no matter what, to read. Um, I'll, talk, I'll talk to you in a second about what I'm going to read for you today, but let me start with Recommendation Corner. And I'm going to be very, I'm going to only say one recommendation for Recommendation Corner this week, because I want to make it clear that old Hyperbole O'Neill over here, who's always excited about a million things, can sometimes get people distracted from what she really wants them to pay attention to because I have so many things I want to tell you about. But this time, I love this thing so much that it's only going to be this that I recommend. And guess what? It's on Netflix. And it is called Pretend It's a City. It is a seven-episode series, limited-run series, seven episodes, directed by Scorsese, featuring Fran Lebowitz, everybody's favorite just a person. You don't even know what to call her. She's a humorist. She's a writer. I get it. I get it. She's 
on Law & Order, SVU, as a judge, which I didn't even know. But I've always loved her in interviews. Remember when I recommended the Booksellers documentary recently? Well, she's also a major interview on that documentary. But this, she's sitting down with Martin Scorsese. They're good friends. They've known each other forever. They don't even remember how. I mean, she's known everybody. She's tell She tells a story, and I don't want to give it too much away, but just trust me on this. It's worth hearing a story about Fran as a 19-year-old getting chased down the street by um, Charles Mingus. You kind of can't beat that, you know? I mean, how can... <laughs> that's just amazing. Um... It's also fascinating to me, well, she's mainly a reader, and she even says, like, mainly what I do is I'm a bookworm. I just read. And, I mean, she was known as a writer. She wrote for Interview Magazine, and then she had two big successes with books that came out, but she's had writer's block since the 80s. Um, you know, she, it's just exciting to hear her talk, and, and also in this day and age when a lot of us have these conflicted thoughts about what we do about, well, anyway, long story short, Fran, who is hilarious in every way, by the way, she will still read writers who she knows are deplorable human beings. And she's like, oh, I just won't be friends with them. And especially if they're dead, I'm not going to give them money. And that's how I feel about it. Because I, you know, anyway, she has very different opinions than most people get away with nowadays. But I just love it. And Oh, the, the thing that's kind of going to lead to what I read to you today, I don't want to be on here long because I really do need to rest my throat, but um, I didn't even know this until I watched this Netflix special on her, that she was friends, really, really close friends with Toni Morrison, and they have a couple of clips of them talking on a stage, but I am reading to you today from an interview with Toni Morrison from the Paris Review interviews. Um, so that was just kind of like why I just thought, all right, well, I don't always read to you guys what I'm reading during the week, obviously, but this time it made sense. Um, anyway, so pretend it's a city. Fran Leibowitz, very funny, very charming. You just, I just want to hear her talk all the time. And it's so refreshing to hear somebody who just says what they feel and doesn't have any fear of what that might sound like, especially in this day and age, you know? It's not like, you know, and also it's not coming from a white male. It's Fran Leibowitz, so it's a whole different thing. Um, openly gay Jewish woman. Uh, so, yeah, you just, I don't know, it's very revealing and very, very fun and funny. Um, how about let's do a do not recommend it corner? You know how I told you guys I love on HBO Max in treatment? Well, I still do. I love season one, but I just finished all of season two and three while I did stuff in my studio. And I gotta say, I do not recommend it. So if I were to recommend anything, I'd say watch season one of In Treatment and don't watch the other two. It's weird because the main character, Paul, the doctor, he just, he just ends up being a complete asshole. He's just a horrible dude and really pathetic and sad and not really a great character. So anyway, and everybody else is kind of annoying. There was one guy I really liked in season three this guy from India. I loved him. But other than that, I couldn't take any of it. What else for Do Not Recommend It Corner? Um, I don't really have that many things. Oh, I did get El Yucateco hot sauce uh, up my nose this week. I made tostadas, which were very good. I made my own caramelized onion refried beans. And 
I just made this up, and I love it's so good. Nobody else has eaten it yet, but I can tell you I'm very impressed with myself with this. I love caramelized onions. I love refried beans. Why not put them together? So anyway, it was caramelized onion tostadas. Car- caramelized onion refried beans tostadas. I don't know. But I had piled up the lettuce quite a bit. And then I put one of my favorite hot sauces, which is El Yucateco, the red kind, put it on there. And as I bring the tostada, normally I eat tostadas with a knife and fork, but Damien, who's half Mexican, told me, what are you doing? You're supposed to pick up a tostada. That's still, I don't know if I really believe him at this point. I really would like to hear your take on this, everybody. Do you pick up a tostada or do you cut it up? Anyway, I picked it up because he told me to do it. And... I got what I thought was just the lettuce up my nose. And I thought it was funny, and I got the lettuce out of my nose, off my nose. And then, as I kept eating, all of a sudden, my nose, the inside of my nose is burning so bad. And I don't have any reaction to hot sauce at all. Like, it could be the hot... I've even had habaneros and ghost pep, pieces of ghost pepper, and it does nothing to me. I Because my sinuses are so bad that I think I've ruined everything inside of my head enough with all my bad sinuses that I don't even experience whatever you guys all experience with hot stuff. But this, I think topically is a different thing. So I basically accidentally rubbed, I think when I got the lettuce out of my nose, I rubbed the hot sauce all in my nose and it hurt for a good two hours. It was crazy. Maybe that's what's wrong with my throat. Maybe there's some side effect of that. Uh, So anyway, do not recommend getting El Yucateco hot sauce up your nose. Let's move on to reading time, guys. And by the way, I'm sorry if I'm a little boring today. I'm just not feeling well, guys. But I still wanted to come in here and say hello. Um, All right, so I've I've read a few things out of these before. But I have a box set of the Paris Review interviews, volumes 1 through 4. And I will put a link in the description. You can buy these on their website. Paris Review is so great anyway, but the interviews are what they're really known for, as long as far as I know anyway. And Toni Morrison. So I decided to, I had never read her interview in here, and I'm just going to read a couple of things that I thought were, that I related to and that I thought were really good. Um, at a certain point in the beginning of the interview, the interviewer asks something about her habits, her pre-dawn writing habits, and she kind of explains why that maybe started. Uh, let's see, the habit, this is Toni Morrison, the habit of getting up early, which I had formed when the children were young, now became my choice. I am not very bright or very witty or very inventive after the sun goes down. Recently, I was talking to a writer who described something she did whenever she moved to her writing table. I don't remember exactly what the gesture was. There is something on her desk that she touches before she hits the computer keyboard. But we began to talk about little rituals that one goes through before beginning to write. I, at first, thought I didn't have a ritual, but then I remembered that I always get up and make a cup of coffee while it's still dark. It must be dark. And then I drink the coffee and watch the light come. And she said, well, that's a ritual. And I realized that for me, this ritual comprises my preparation to enter a space that I can only call non-secular. Writers all devise ways to approach that place where they expect to make the contact, where they become the conduit, or where they engage in this mysterious process. For me, light is the signal in the transition. It's not being in the light. It's being there before it arrives. It enables me in some sense. And here is the part, this is now Robin talking. Here's the part that I, I've never heard anyone else say this except me. I always say a version of this to young artists. 
when people ask me, how the hell do you make a drawing for three years? How the hell do you stay in your studio for 18 hours a day for however many months? How do you always, how, how do you do this? And I explain, well, it's because I have the TV on and because I'm comfortable and my cat's around and, you know, it's all these comfort things. It's how, anyway, and here's what Twenty Morrison said. I tell my students one of the most important things they need to know is when they are their best creatively. They need to ask themselves, what does the, what does the ideal room look like? Is there music? Is there silence? Is there chaos outside or is there serenity outside? What do I need in order to release my imagination? Um, yeah, so back to me. Yeah, that's 100% what I tell everybody. If you're working in an environment that doesn't work for you, that you don't even enjoy, that isn't, you've got to think about like the times you've been most productive and done the best work. What was that like? How do you recreate whatever that experience was? And I've been doing that since day one. I've got carpet in my studio now. No artists have carpet in their studio. Uh, I purposely built a new studio and got carpet put in here because all of my most productive times were in suburban homes with carpeted floors. And this is, and, and with cable TV on all the time. So I recreate that everywhere I go because that's where I'm comfortable and it has to be connected to my house. I, if I even have to walk outside for 10 steps and then into a garage, I will not do this. I have to be home. And, and she's about to say something else that... Oh my God, I so relate to too. I'm so excited. Um, what about your writing routine? The interviewer asks Tony. Tony Morrison says, I have an ideal writing routine that I've never experienced, which is to have, say, nine uninterrupted days when I wouldn't have to leave the house or take phone calls and to have the space, a space where I have huge tables. I end up with this much space. She indicates a small square spot on her desk everywhere I am, and I can't beat my way out of it. I'm reminded of that tiny desk that Emily Dickinson wrote on, and I chuckle when I think, sweet thing, there she was. But that is all any of us have, just this small space, and no matter what the filing system or how often you clear it out, life, documents, letters, requests, invitations, invoices, just keep going back in. I'm not able to write regularly. I have never been able to do that, mostly because I have always had a nine to five job. I had to write either in between those hours hurriedly or spend a lot of weekend and pre-dawn time. Um, yeah, especially that part. This is what I always tell people, like when I start to freak out if I have too much on my calendar, I freak out for good reason, because if I don't have that uninterrupted time of just being in my studio, like there needs to absolutely be nothing else on my calendar. And I mean even a doctor appointment or going to the pharmacy. Like I have to do nothing for a long time. Otherwise, I can't do this. And so that's why life annoys me so much, <laughs> because any bit of life, especially social life, will fuck me up for so long afterwards. Even a great, and this is what you got to know, even a great social experience. Like, I, oh yeah, I went over to my friend's house. It was the greatest time I've ever had. They're the funniest person I've ever known. That doesn't mean they didn't fuck me up by being so funny and fun, because they did. Because I guarantee, because I don't hang out with people I don't like anymore. I used to. That was called being really mentally ill. <laughs> and now I'm emotionally sober, and I know better than to hang out with people that I can't stand. But Anyway, so I haven't hung out with people I can't stand for years, but, you know, even when I hang out with people I love, it, it just ruins me for so many days afterwards. It just does. It's too much excitement. I'm way too, way too sensitive. 
I take everything in. I'm very much a sponge for everything. So anyway, um, should I, uh, let me see. Hold on, let me look at this. I think that's all I really need to read now. There's, there's a lot. I mean, I would highly recommend this interview, but I would recommend getting the box set. This box set I've had, it never gets old. I read from it all the time. I've had it probably for 12 years and it just is something I always wanna have around. Actually, let's see, when did it come out? Um, this version of it came out, yeah, 2007. So yeah, I've had it uh, that long. And um, there's just something, I think a lot of you guys agree. There's just something about hearing other people's ways of being. Um, this specific book, this volume two, has William Faulkner, Isaac Bashev Singer, Stephen King, Alice Munro, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. I mean, even people who, like Stephen King has never been one of my favorite writers, but I love reading Stephen King interviews and I love reading him on writing. Oh yeah, did I say James Baldwin is in here too? That's a really good one. So even people who I don't care for, like Eudora Welty, I don't think she's necessarily my favorite writer. Do I wanna read, read an interview with her? Hell yeah, I do. Um, I think there's also, back to Fran Lebowitz, I think there's a really good Fran Lebowitz Paris review interview that, I, that is not in here that I need to locate. So I need to find that. If anybody knows where it is, let me know. Um, I think that's all I have. I really would love to go on and on, but my my throat just can't take it. My head can't take it. I'm thinking about you guys all the time. Thank you for always being there. Uh, if you guys want to reach out and tell me anything that's on your mind, you guys know where to do that. Uh, please leave a review on Apple Podcast if you're enjoying it or just share this with a friend. Either way, I'm very happy you're here. And you guys mean a lot to me. So have a great rest of your night. I love you very much. Goodbye.